Section 15 of Epics and Romances of the Middle Ages. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynette Calkins, Monument, Colorado. Epics and Romances of the Middle Ages by Wilhelm Wagner. Section 15, Part 1st. Section 3, Dietrich of Bern. Chapter 8, The Raven Fight. Battle of Ravenna. Dietrich goes to Bern. Going back to Bern. Dietrich is going back to Bern. We are to have a campaign in Lombardy, was the cry which rang through the land of the Huns. Yes, Dietrich was really going back, accompanied by many brave comrades, new and old, and at the head of a large army. Even Etzel's two sons, mere boys as they were, insisted on going too. The line of march lay through the great mountains and fair plains of Lombardy. Amelot and Hildebrand, at the head of the Wolfings, stormed Garden and took the fortress. But the old master had not time to stay and embrace the Lady Ute and his son Hadrand, for they were not in the castle at the time, and he had to rejoin the army without delay. He came up with the rest at Padua, which Dietrich failed to subdue. The army, leaving Padua behind it, moved on to Bern from which Dietrich heard that Ermenrich's men had been expelled by the citizens. At length the hero was at home in his beloved Bern, where he was received with great rejoicings. He had not long to rest, for a few days after his arrival, Alfer came, bringing a message from Duke Friedrich of Raben that the Emperor Ermenrich was besieging his town. Therefore he begged the hero's assistance. The Bernese forces made a rapid march, and arrived unexpectedly in the neighborhood of the imperial army. It was of no use to send out scouts. The foe lay hidden in every thicket. Dietrich asked his heroes which of them would undertake to gain the enemy's outpost, and immediately young Alfart, the Lady Utis foster-son, declared himself ready. Others wished to have the duty, but he had spoken first, and it was given to him. Alfart's Death the youthful hero rode on toward the dangerous outposts. Suddenly, spears and arrows rained round him and fell rattling from helm and shield. But they did no harm, for his armor had been made by dwarves. The enemy's leader rode up to him and desired him to yield, saying that he might give him his sword without shame, for he was Duke Wolfing and would return the weapon to Alfart when he was ransomed. "'What?' cried the hero. "'Are you Duke Wolfing?' the only traitor of our race? You shall have your wages here today, and from my hands. The combat between the two men was short. Alfred slew his opponent. Upon this, the duke's retainers hastened up to avenge him, but the young hero killed half of them, and put the rest to flight. A spirit from the nethermost hell has come to fight for Dietrich, cried the men-at-arms. It slew more than fifty of us single-handed, and we ourselves hardly escaped with our lives. "'Do you not know that the hero of Bern is a son of the devil?' was the answer. "'And what is more natural than that a father should come to his child's assistance? "'No mortal man can be expected to fight with such a foe. "'I will go out and see if it be not made of flesh and blood,' cried stout Vidich. "'Even though it had all hell at its back, I care not. I must have a turn with it.' He armed himself quickly and caught up a sword without noticing that it was not Mimung. Heime, whose life he had saved a short time before, offered to go with him and avenge him should he fall. Alfart recognized the man from a distance. 
Ye are two faithless comrades, he cried, and have come to meet your doom. The combat between him and Vidich began forthwith, and the latter soon perceived that he had not Mimung. He was twice felled to the ground. In his sore distress, he called on his comrade to help him, but Haima hesitated, because it was considered dishonorable for two warriors to fight against one. When Alfart, however, called upon Vidich to yield, if he would not be slain on the spot, Haima sprang forward and covered his comrade with his shield, thus enabling him to get to his feet again, after which both warriors attacked the young hero. Alfart was as active on foot as he was strong of hand. He felled Haima, but Vidich came to his help, and so the battle went on. The three warriors bled from many wounds, but it was Haima's hand that finally dealt the death blow. Faithless comrades that ye are, sighed the dying Alfart. The curse of your dishonorable deeds will follow you to the grave. The conquerors left the place of combat in silence. They did not noise abroad the fame of their deed, yet their armor was bloody, and they were sorely wounded. The men-at-arms whispered in mysterious tones, They have been fighting with that spirit from hell, have slain it, but have seen some terrible sight. The news of Alfart's death was received with deep sorrow in the Bernese camp, Dietrich prepared to offer battle to the emperor on the following day, and made all necessary dispositions in case he fell in the fight. The Battle Master Hildebrand held watch. Not contented with keeping a distant lookout on the enemy's movements, he went to see with his own eyes what was passing within their lines. A thick mist covered the earth and hid every object from view. Suddenly, the old master and his companion, Eckhart, heard the tramp of a horse. They drew their swords and waited. At the same moment, the moon broke through the mist, and they recognized by its light Reinald of Milan, who, although one of Ermenric's men, was at the same time a friend of theirs. They greeted each other heartily, and Reinald said that if he might advise Dietrich, he would counsel him to return to the land of the Huns where he had made himself a home— for the emperor was too powerful to be overthrown. After taking leave of their friend, Hildebrand looked about carefully and discovered a path leading through the wood by which he could outflank the imperial forces unperceived. On his return to the camp, he arranged with Dietrich that he should take three divisions by this path and fall upon the enemy at daybreak. Meantime, the king was to be ready to attack in front the moment he heard Hildebrand's horn sound to the rear of the enemy. No sooner had the sun risen than the battle began. Great deeds of valor were done on either side. It were an endless task to tell of each hero's achievements. Among those who fell were the two young sons of Etzel, who showed themselves worthy of their name. During the course of that day, Dietrich and Vidich met at last, and it was in this wise. Twilight was drawing on apace, when Vidich, led by his evil star, or by his companion, Reinald of Milan, went back to visit the outpost. Dietrich saw them go, and, remounting, galloped across the valley towards the height, and the other two turned to meet him. When Vidich saw the king riding towards him, his face distorted by the angry spirit that possessed him, and his breath issuing from his mouth like flames of fire, a terror he had never known before overmastered him. He turned his horse and fled, followed by Reinald. Halt, cowards! Halt! cried the king. Two against one. Surely ye are strong enough? 
Halt, comrade, said Reinald. I cannot bear the shame of this. Vidish turned, but no sooner did he see the terrible face and flaming breath of his old leader than he fled once more, leaving Reinald alone to bear the brunt of the attack. Stop, traitor, shouted Dietrich. You have the sword Mimung in your hand with which you once conquered me at Bern, and do you now fear to stand? But Vidich, by encouraging words and a free use of the spur, urged his noble steed to a yet swifter pace. The king did the same, and Falcon was even fleeter than Vidich's gallant charger. The surf might now be heard beating on the seashore. The fugitive warrior reached the strand. He could fly no farther. And behold, at the same moment, two white arms and a woman's head rose out of the waves. Vachilde, ancestress, save me! Hide me from that spirit of hell! he cried, and took the terrible leap. And Vachilde received him in her arms and bore him to her crystal hall at the bottom of the sea. Dietrich did not hesitate to follow. The waters swept over him and his horse, but Falcon rose again and swam through the roaring surf to the shore. The king looked all about, but Vidich had vanished. He could see nothing but the foaming waves. Sadly, the king returned to the camp, having found neither the vengeance nor the death he had sought. The Huns declared that they would return home as soon as they had buried their princes with fitting honor. Dietrich heard their determination unmoved. He was thinking of those who had fallen. Master Hildebrand, on the other hand, did what he could to induce them to follow up the victory that they had gained the previous day, but it was labor lost. They had had enough of fighting at the Battle of Ravenna. Broken-hearted, Dietrich returned to King Etzel, by whom he was received with the greatest kindness, in spite of all that had come and gone. He sank into a state of sorrowful brooding and melancholy, until at length Herat, his faithful wife, came to him and spoke words of comfort and encouragement, and he roused from his dull woe and started again for fair Lombardy, accompanied by the queen. End of section 15